0: Welcome to the Ramen in Japan, episode number three. I'm here with Michael, aka the Noodle Slurp, who recently moved from Japan to New York, but I'm sure he still has a couple of things to say about ramen in Japan. Welcome, Michael.
1: Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: Happy to have you. So you recently moved to New York. How have you been adapting to uh, New York and uh, yeah, the lack of Japanese ramen?
1: yeah i mean you know it's a challenge it's an uphill battle to find uh bowls that sort of scratch the various itches you know cravings that i'm having um finding stuff that that i like that you know and sort of figuring out the way that the american food press talks about ramen and talks about different you know places that they like and then finding how that may or may not line up with my own taste so you know it's adapting and um you know adapting in other other ways of life too it's you know louder less clean i don't i don't miss uh right i miss very much you know not having to overhear people's conversations on the train
0: <laughs> i can believe that but let's pick up a little maybe for people who don't know you you've started uh your instagram i think your instagram was always your main ramen outlet Uh, You started back in, I'm not sure how long ago? Uh,
1: 2017, probably.
0: 17. And I was first in Osaka, so you started your ramen journey in Osaka.
1: Yeah, that's right. I was in Kansai. I lived in Kansai for two years um, and got really into the ramen scene there uh, before moving to Tokyo.
0: And then you covered, I mean, first you covered ramen bowls in the Kansai area and then in Tokyo. Uh, I remember you... at it like or you went at it at like a quite uh yeah steep speed uh you really knocked them all out and and put the check marks all over the place right
1: yeah i mean i uh (laughs) did my best last last year i mean last last year was my first year over over 200 bowls so still i guess baby numbers and compared to a lot of people in the scene but um tried to keep up a nice pace for you know, the last five plus years.
0: Have you ever counted like roughly how many bowls of ramen you had in Japan?
1: No, I've done, I've, I've at various points tried to sort of estimate it based on like how many bowls I thought I had per year, but I actually didn't really keep track until last year. So, oh, sorry. I guess I kept track in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. 2021 was the first year that I kept track. So, um, no but a lot
0: <laughs> if you had to estimate i mean you probably got close to a thousand
1: yeah probably so i figure five years of going at it pretty intensely five and a half maybe and then if i'm thinking you know averaging maybe 100 100 to 150
0: per year 500 yeah probably probably getting close to a thousand all right so um i guess i i think that gives your opinion uh quite a little bit of weight when it comes to ramen in Japan. And, um, yeah, talking about that and, and talking about your, your departure from Japan, um, let's maybe start with talking about the last bowl that you had in Japan.
1: Sure. So, I mean, if anyone's been following my account and Sebastian, I know that you are familiar with this. Uh, I mean, it had to be Moko and Nakamoto, uh, it at the Shinjuku location. So for those of you don't, that don't know. Moko Nakamoto is a chain of spicy ramen shops with a really, really devoted following. They serve spicy miso tanmen, not to be confused with tan-tanmen, so tanmen being, uh, you know, very vegetable, forward, and heavy uh, ramen. Normally, it's served just like it's very light uh, and uh, not spicy and very, you know, mild, but Nakamoto does a intensely spicy or various intensely spicy miso versions. Um, Yeah. So I had, I got the uh, miso danmen, which is possibly probably my, it was one of my favorite bowls uh, on a standard menu at the chain. Um, And so it's basically like your standard Nakamoto miso, uh, but it's like a little bit less heavy and intense. It's an eight out of 10 spiciness. It's still very, spicy it's still very vegetable forward but it's just like a little bit less greasy um yeah and it had it you know it was always going to be Nakamoto uh until the new one opens which got announced actually the day that I left Japan I've been to every Nakamoto location and uh I you know acquired a lot of points in their point system and it it really became sort of a, a guiding part of my ramen fandom or like the sort of sub fandom for me and uh you know last ball in japan was always going to have to be nakamoto
0: yeah that's uh what i thought you would go for i mean <laughs> <laughs> i know you're probably the only foreigner in the world who has been to all nakamoto locations i mean not anymore but like at some point in time you have been to all of them and i don't think any other foreigner um has achieved um yeah that level of nakamoto love i know there's like a lot of uh fanatic japanese nakamoto lovers i mean that's um easy to see when you go to those festivals and uh, events and you see people decked out in nakamoto gear that you only can get with uh, nakamoto points and to acquire um those things you have to eat like i don't know at least like once or twice a day at nakamoto for you know over a year or something like that to get that stuff so it's uh it's quite ridiculous um but you know it's it's one of the few ramen spots and i think the only um yeah ramen chain that offers uh, this kind of spicy ramen so it has like a special place or the special niche in the uh, japanese ramen scene i would say
1: yeah i mean it's incredibly addictive um i think i mean honestly i wouldn't recommend that anyone unless you, unless you're yeah unless you're really searching for something to do, it's really hard to recommend going to all of, all of them because um the chain does a really really good job of standardizing the bowls so uh I mean each of the different shops have these rotating specials, some of them are by the month, some of them are by the day uh there's this whole system of it. some of the shops are franchised some are directly run but in terms of the core menu um the they do a really really good job of standardizing it so um it's going to taste pretty much the same whether you're in Shinjuku or whether you're in Kumagaya. So, it's really tough to recommend going to all of them. Like, honestly, toward the end, like I think when I went to Utsunomiya, I was just like, this is so stupid, because they didn't have any specials, and it was so far, and it was I walked 20 minutes either way from the station in the pouring rain, and I was just really questioning my decision to do this. <laughs> I can't recommend going to all of them. But... Uh, i highly recommend going to your local one if you're in in tokyo or in greater kanto and um yeah i think you're, you'll probably get addicted too if you like like spicy food
0: i mean there's one next to almost every major station right i mean i know there's one in shibuya i think in, in shinjuku there's probably more than just one um yeah i think they're they're everywhere yeah really so it's super easy to get to
1: yeah, the only station where there's more than one is Ikebukuro. There's Higashi Ikebukuro oh, and okay. Nishi Ikebukuro. Right. But um but yeah, you're right. Like pretty much any most major areas uh in and around Tokyo, you'll find one.
0: But it's uh Tokyo only, right?
1: Uh Kanto only, yeah. Akanto, so they've yeah. they've yet to expand uh sort of outside of outside of uh outside of the greater greater Tokyo area. Um, As sort of go they go as far up as Takasaki and Gunma and then they go there the new store They're going as far west as uh, the Shonan area
0: Right, but they're staying within Kanto. So I guess um, they also use like central kitchens uh, central uh, procurement to um, use those uh, economies of scale and To keep the quality in check. Do, Do you know a little bit about their operation?
1: Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they, they do, I mean, obviously everything in terms of like sourcing and stuff is highly standardized. Um, There's a differentiation between like certain bowls uh, are pre-made, not necessarily like they're going to pre-make, fully pre-make the soup and just get it in a bag, but there's certain dishes that are considered more standardized uh, where it's all mostly pre-prepared. And those are the ones that don't involve uh, it cooking in a wok. A lot of their dishes do involve wok cooking, uh, including, like, with the, the soup at certain points. And those ones, uh, real Nakamoto heads will say that that's where you, you taste the, uh, the hand of the, the cook uh, because those are prepared on the spot mostly, or a lot of the prep is, is on the spot. Uh, so theoretically, you should be able to taste um, more of a difference in those. Uh, like uh, Hokkyoku being one of them, for example, and so uh, you know, I, I this would have been very boring for me. I didn't didn't do this, but I guess if you were to get like the one dish like that, like Hokkyoku, at all the different Nakamoto locations, it's possible that you would g- begin to taste a difference. I don't know. I think that would have been very boring for me, but it's it maybe
0: you would or I mean that's the that's the ten out of ten spicy bowl, right?
1: uh technically nine out of ten yeah it's, the 10. Spi- it's their spiciest it's their spiciest um ramen they have a the the skim in that's a 10 out of 10 but on the standard menu it's the it, it's the the spiciest ramen
0: we're not gonna go like into deep into nakamoto but i think uh we had <laughs> some time ago we talked on the i think the ramen hunter um podcast yep. about it and uh yeah we went uh i think over an hour talking about nakamoto um you cody aka ramenguidejapan.com and uh, me and uh, edwin the ramen who will also by the way come on this podcast uh in the next days weeks um whenever we can make it happen um but yeah we we talked really deep i mean (laughs) let's face it you (laughs) talked very deeply (laughs) and in, in detail about nakamoto so if people are interested in learning about um, nakamoto and spicy ramen in general in japan i think that's a good starting point point. and yeah um thanks for sharing uh that nakamoto was uh, your final bowl here in japan
1: yeah i mean i guess you know you know me pretty well you should have expected that that was that was where <laughs> i was gonna go with this so, i'm not
0: surprised yeah, yes thanks, i'm not yeah. surprised all right then let me tell you about the last bowl i had and uh you might know like i just returned a couple of days ago uh from germany i was basically on uh yeah. on vacation and uh business trip stuff and uh yeah uh i got really hungry for some good ramen i mean i had some ramen in in, in germany that will probably talk about in a different episode in the future um but yeah so since i, I got back i had uh, two bowls in shops and actually i made two bowls at home but let me talk about the real last bowl that i had that was actually today with cody at <laughs> okay, ramen guy yeah, japan nice. and uh, mm-hmm. we went to a place in ibisu called uh, mariken which have you ever um, heard of
1: it no i don't think i'm familiar
0: so actually it might be up your alley uh because it's um it's a mumbleman. Uh, bowl so very similar to uh, one of the bowls uh, that you can get at Takamoto but it's a it's a Mazasoba Slash marble men slash curry So um, interesting. It's it's a it's a dry bowl there Let's start off with their noodles because I think that's their most interesting feature I think they work in some Szechuan uh, pepper into the noodles. So the noodles have like this um, like almost uh, burgundy color like burgundy brown-ish and they have uh, some of that Sichuan aroma and uh, yeah you can also smell it just uh, smelling at the noodles uh, that there's there's something going on and they have a a, a, they're quite thick and uh, have a a nice texture and then they're basically topped with uh, a very mm, yeah a very generous helping of uh, mabo dofu that is um, somehow mixed with some curry so you can have you, you get like some intense spice notes um, while you're eating it um, and yeah of course you have the the minced meat in there you have like really big uh, tofu blobs um, and of course a, a little bit of a, of a szechuan and pepper note there as well um, however, um for me personally I think uh, Cody shared the sentiment it was it was simply not salty enough like I think that was the first time I ever craved for like a salt shaker next to my ramen I think that's a very new uh feeling that Interesting I had. Yeah I don't know if something went wrong that day or if that's just you know the way that they go like to offer it a little bit less salty um like just out of um yeah out of the gate um, and also, like, it looks super spicy, but it's not spicy at all. And it also lacks a lot of the numbing. So, we, which is super confusing because it, like, tastes like it, it should be spicy and it should be numbing, but it's not.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's super weird.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, we were, like, really confused. At, at least I was I was confused. Like, what's, what's, what's going on here? And then they have some uh, further Sichuan pepper on the on the counter that you can add. And they also have like a hot sauce that is a little bit, yeah, similar to like a thicker Tabasco. So it has like this, uh, salty, um, salty and sour spiciness, but it's not very spicy. It's like, yeah, as I said, Tabasco level. So you add a bunch of that and, and then the bowl does get better by a lot, but still like, there's not the spiciness that you would yeah look for um and there's like there's no like chili powder or something like that that you can add to like really go for it and there's also no option like they have a lot of topping options including sauerkraut by the way like i don't know what's going on there yeah. but <laughs> but um like there's nothing to add more spiciness so it, it, it's it's really weird and the last weird point is um the name mariken so it's it's actually mariken so Bob Marley again so they have like a Bob Marley reference like their logo is a is the head of Bob Marley and like in the sh- in the shop it, itself you have uh, reggae uh, as a background music and so on so it's it's really weird where you go like how does that fit together or is is the the chef the owner just a really big Bob Marley fan I have no idea but you have those shops where they just have like super random names and super random references and um, themes. Do you know some of those shops? that have like yeah.
1: My my favorite my favorite example is uh, Gunners uh, in Kawasaki, the oh, it's the yeah. Arsenal themed ramen shop, which actually is really good. Like I really I really <laughs> like their ramen, but they're also, very good. You know, yeah, fun theme, yeah,
0: yeah. So that that was the latest bowl I had. Um, not necessarily the best bowl i've ever had, um, i'll probably not be back there because especially because there's uh, recently uh, a couple of new really good shops have opened in the area so there's there's actually no reason to uh, go to that shop again if i could go t- for example to ayagawa instead or mm. to um the mendway location in ibisu
1: yeah i um it's interesting that you like as you're saying that like i guess um, I'm wondering if, just like, well, so first of all, like, it not being salty enough, like, that's just not something that you really ever hear in this hobby. No. <laughs> uh, but I'm just, I'm just wondering if, like, this, the restraint is, like, possibly a result. Was it, was it sort of trying to be, like, a chic, Ebisu, like, sort of Afridi style presentation? Like, do you think that that could be related? It sounds like maybe not if the theme is Bob Marley.
0: So, yeah, that's, um, I think that was uh, one of our theories that it's uh, for the more chic crowd, for the salary man who's also a little bit more on the the hip side of things. Um, yeah, it definitely is a little bit of a cleaner shop that, you know, um, that it w- would kind of fit to that. But then again, yeah, as you say, the Bob Marley theme, mm, uh, I don't know. I would have probably picked a little bit of a different theme for that, and um, I'm not sure if it's super inviting to that kind of crowd to play uh, mm-hmm. reggae as a background music. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a weird mix.
1: Oh. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fascinating. Was it um, was it was the the mabo like very like goopy and and thick or was it more I don't know, loose? I don't know if that's the no, right word. No, but, it, like I'm thinking about like. Um, for example, I don't know if you've been like Akazuki, which I think may have closed in Soshigai Okura, and like their Mabo Man was like really like goopy, like like really really thick, and that's not really for me. But I'm I'm curious what the consistency is at at uh, Ken.
0: So it was more on the thick side. So imagine if you have take like your uh, standard Mabo and then also add some curry roux. So that kind of thickness, so uh, more like in a thick, uh, curry ish style. Um, yeah, so definitely more on the, on the thickest side. And as I said, you also get like those curry notes. You have this, this, uh, this, the spices in the background, but somehow I feel like they all fall flat if, if you don't have the sufficient saltiness in there to like really elevate it and like, yeah, bring it onto your palate
1: mm yeah I know that makes a ton of sense
0: so that was a little bit disappointing and what was not disappointing so when i when I came back um i actually I went to straight to the supermarket because my fridge was basically empty, and I saw um that my local supermarket had um madai heads and carcasses for like half price, which is just like one hundred yen per head and carcass. I was like, do wow. like what? So I, I bought like three of them, and on the day that I returned with all the jet lag and whatnot, like I making, started making soup. So I made like a chintan and straight afterwards uh, a, a python, and like really boiled the shit out of those uh, heads and uh, carcasses. And uh, yeah, yesterday and today I made uh, two bowls with those, um, some uh, with shiotare that I had. And uh, yesterday just, regular uh bowl with um with my shiotare regular uh chew uh, that was fine um uh, the, the good thing is madai is like really forgiving like you can just like unlike with other fish where you have to like t- do either like a salting thing or fry it or like bake it so you get some of that fishiness out madai you can just uh, or sea bream you can just throw in the water and boil it and the fishness will be limited it's a really, really nice. fascinating fish and um uh, what was it about? <laughs> what did i want to say yeah so yeah um so what i did today i was like um one of the things i did yesterday was like i added a little bit of like au shiso so like really small uh, shiso leaves is like the size of maybe parsley and uh I, I noticed that that fits really really well uh with the mud soup so i was like hmm Maybe maybe there's something here. Uh, so I went today and bought like a bunch of, of shiso leaves and blend them up with some olive oil. And then today I did the, the mudai bowl with, uh, with in, instead of the chiu, the just with um uh, 20 milliliters of um, olive oil blended up with the shiso. So like roughly, just if anybody wants to recreate it, roughly like one gram of shiso leaves. To one, uh, 10 milliliters of olive oil and then yeah just use that as a aroma oil just drizzled it on top and i was an absolute winner and i topped it also with some booty some just fresh um sashimi fish fillet and I was so good was so so good uh, i i think i got a real winner here but i i still have yeah. to like work a little bit with the with the shiso um like if that is uh, sufficient, I feel like they could have gone a little bit higher, but that was so good.
1: That sounds delicious. Like, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Su- that sounds super good. Very like modern, clean, you know, if you can perfect it, try to, try to get a, get a little pop up. And I think that would be a hit.
0: Yeah. I, um, I, I felt like, you know, I was, I was wondering why there's not more, um, of that you know, shiso mm, flavor out there in the ramen world. I think it's quite rare to get, like, those shiso notes.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain. I mean, nothing's nothing's coming. I feel like, yeah, I mean, it definitely exists out there. But, yeah, it is, it is very rare. Um, and, I mean, the olive oil, too, that's, I mean, obviously has grown in popularity but um, is also – you know, that that whole combo, the fish, the shiso, the olive oil sounds pretty novel, um, but also tasty.
0: Yeah, it definitely goes a little bit into uh, a pasta direction at some point. Um, I think also depending on what kind of olive oil you use. Yeah, but I, I want to explore this further. Um, I think I I, I I struck some, not sure if it's gold, <laughs> but I struck something there. Uh, that I kind of want to explore a little bit more. So let's see, maybe that's... Uh, you know maybe you'll see one day a recipe on my uh website nama japan t v um and you can read all about it
1: <laughs> there you go some of the, maybe the yeah the 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 best uh ramen inventions coming from a jet lag stupor
0: <laughs> well let's see well let's go a little bit into um what you would highlight from your last couple of um days weeks months in japan something that you would like the listeners to know about a, a bowl that nobody can miss uh, when they visit japan i'm sure you had something that was standing out uh, and something that is not nakamoto
1: uh, yeah so actually my second to last bowl and i mean I, I can't really say this specifically is a must visit because it is out in kashiwa but actually my second to last bowl in japan i think is where i'd like to highlight uh, and it was Odoya the Kashiwa location oh. of Odoya um, it's the honten, so, right uh, tech technically it's not it used so the Kashiwa location used to be the honten. and then they the they had to close the Kashiwa location and the uh, there's one in Ibaraki that became technically the honten. and then they reopened at a different location like down the street in Kashiwa and so now it's kind of in spirit the hometown because, you know, that's where it originated. That's like, that's the spot. But the one in um, Ibaraki is still, I think Toride maybe, is still technically the Honten. Um But, yeah, so it's, I don't know. It, like, I was, I was in, I'd been there before. I was in Kashiwa for a soccer game, um, you know, right before I left to watch Viso lose. To uh, Kashuberasol in the rain, it's pretty miserable. <laughs> but I got some got some nice ramen out of it, and um, yeah, I mean, like I've gotten pretty into EAK, um, and you know, I think that they're they're obviously e. AK purists or like the Choke, the direct descendants um, of yeah, Those are those and that's like the that's really e. AK. And the thing is, like a lot of those shops are really good. I, a lot of those shops, but. I find often that uh, like the Odoya chain, which sort of fell out of, you know, they they, they fell out of, they had the, the falling out from from the uh, Wake system and sort of struck out on their own and now have their own constellation of shops. I find that those are more to my palate. They often have a little bit more of a porky funk, a little bit more intense in the in the porkiness in the soup and uh a little bit more restrained in the tare for the most part. Um and yeah, so like this it's hard it's hard to pick a absolute favorite, but I mean the the, the location of Odoya just goes really, really hard. It's so good. Um and I mean if you want something closer, you know, if someone's visiting Japan, something easier to recommend might be EK Tokyo, which is in Akihabara that is also an Odoya shop also good i'd say like maybe a hair i like it maybe a hair less but i mean the convenience can't be beat um or also Torakichiya uh in yokohama that's another um odea, uh, odea group shop that's that's really good and i mean those are all just so so good i love them all so much
0: yeah recently when and I, I think we talked about this i went to Torakichiya. i also made a video about it and um yeah, it's, it's like liquid crack. It's so good. And it, it's like the fine cheese of ramen in a way because it's so funky. I mean, you, you walk in there and uh, it reminded me, I've, I've been to like a, a, a cheese restaurant in, in France and I had like a, a similar sensation where you walk in and it's just funk, but in a good way, but also slightly in an off way where you go like, mm, do I really want to eat here? And then once the food is in front of you and you start digging in, you really just can't stop. And it's it's impossible. For me, it's impossible to to leave the soup at an Odoya shop or um, yeah, at a really good EAK shop in general. Um, And I think that's why – I mean, maybe maybe a lot of people feel the same way, and that's why uh, rice is – is ubiquitous if you eat at uh, eak shops Uh, you just have to have something to polish those balls off and uh yeah i I can fully agree uh, with what you said Um, everyone should try an eak bowl at least once in their life and those are maybe the shops to go to for that
1: yeah i mean like exactly what you said like it's the kind of thing where like if you're walking by especially a lot of these shops just like even from, you know, from the sidewalk they you can smell it and it's, it's stinky. I mean, and the bowls themselves are also stinky, but it's in like a really positive way. Like they're just, they're just able to coax these, these just border, like, yeah, these just like really like intense, weird flavors out of, out of the pork, uh, in the soup that are just so compelling. I mean, and as you said, like, yeah, it's like, it's a very intense experience. But you still want to drink it all. Um, and it pairs beautifully with rice. You get to play with your food. You put in all these different toppings. You get to make you know, you know, or I guess condiments make make your bowl what you want it to be with the garlic and the the chili paste and and the pepper and the vinegar and all that. And um, yeah, I mean it just and and the thing is yeah like I, I I've really bought into into the EAK world, uh, but for me the Odellia group. Uh, those all stand really, really high uh, in my regard.
0: And I think for a lot of people, EAK is actually the gateway drug um, to become like a ramen head. I know for me, it was actually, I think the first real bowl of ramen I had um, that was at a um, chain in Sendai called Sendai Ko Ramen. So they make like a a relatively regular type of EAK. But it's uh, it's the type of ramen that really just draws you in, and makes you go like, oh well, that's what it could be, you know. That's that's why people love it so much, and uh, yeah, there's something about it that just draws you in. It's it's hard to describe, um, and it's just so different from your your regular um, shio ramen, shoyu ramen, and um, just the versatility of it all like how much you can modify it to your liking. I mean, you you said you have all those condiments on uh, the counter on the table, Um, the the fresh garlic, dobanjan and so on, the sesame often. Um, But also you can modify the the noodles, how hard you want them. You can modify the amount of chicken fat that you want on top of your uh, tonkotsu soup and uh, the amount of tare seasoning so you can have it less salty. You can have it more salty. So it's it's really for everyone <laughs> in a way. So even if you don't like overly fatty or salty soups, you can still go there and enjoy it because you can modify it. Yeah. So th- I think there's something special that you don't have at many other shops. And it's really typical for EAK.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, I also think like it's interesting that we, what you're touching on, like, yeah, you really do get to have it your way. And I feel like, you know comparing that with you know the the originator basically um at yoshimuraya like you have sort of almost like your classic stubborn angry ramen master i mean to the point where he was getting you know just routinely would just like get violent with his with his staff uh which i think is you know no longer the case, thankfully, but
0: there's videos of him, like, like slapping people, right? So I think like documentaries where you can really see him like, like kick people like the other people working in the shop, uh, slap them, or whatever. I mean, I'm not supporting that. But that's, that's the the, what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, but at the same time, like, you don't associate that you normally would associate that with like, sort of like a soup Nazi type approach to a customer as well, where there's, you know, a set way of enjoying my ramen, my craft. Um, you know, don't don't play with it too much. But at the same time, he was as, as he was doing that with his staff. He was also serving a bowl that like is so inherently tailored to the customer's desire um, that you know to the point where when you order, as you said, you're choosing the hardness of the noodles, you're choosing the amount of tare, you're choosing the amount of chiu, um, and then in addition to the condiments. So I, I find that really fast
0: and it's quite the opposite to many other bowls where it's like this is it this is how you eat it you can have more chashu you can have less chashu or no chashu but that's about <laughs> all you can modify really um or you can add an egg but basically you can't really modify the flavor of the whole thing right
1: yeah exactly
0: interesting so yeah um that is your highlight um maybe let me highlight as we're talking already about eccentric owners let me highlight uh one um bowl that i've eaten <laughs> recently so i went um so personally i love those shops where um the points that you see on a ramen database or you know the amount of times that you can see the bowl, the, the, the shop and the bowls uh on like instagram and like ramen heads uh, feeds and the Google Maps rating, they completely differ. And this is definitely one of those shops where you have a relatively low Google Maps rating of like 3.3. 3. And uh, I, would, I would say like a quite good reputation in the ramen world. And that uh, shop is called Hakata Tonkotsu Debuchan. And it's uh, close to Takanadobaba Station. Have you ever heard of that place?
1: Uh, again, no, I haven't.
0: All right, so it's a, I mean as the name suggests, it's a Hakata Tonkotsu place, so like a really nice white uh, Tonkotsu that you would find really in, it would not be misplaced in, in Fukuoka or in Hakata itself. Um, a really good, nice and thick uh, Hakata Tonkotsu soup. You got the lip-smacking creaminess. It really like coats the inside of your mouth. Uh, for me personally, it was like in the top three, five at least of the hakata tonkotsu that i had in tokyo i think probably top three um so there are, personally i don't think there's that many good hakata tonkotsu places in tokyo or maybe i just haven't eaten at them yet
1: Nah, i think uh i i would agree and I, I feel like a lot of uh most most ramen heads would probably agree with that
0: yeah especially i mean if you compare to like what what's available uh in kyushu but this one i would say like even in kyushu it would be you know up there and like you would be like yeah that that makes sense it's it's a good bowl and uh the owner apparently he runs a uh youtube channel additionally to his um to his shop and uh, where he like just rants about ramen um together with like other ramen people it's quite interesting to watch it's not a huge success so like i think even i have more views on my videos which is uh <laughs> not a lot of views <laughs> um but it's 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 quite interesting to watch him and he has like the the youtube signs all over the place so he, he really i think he's really proud uh, of it and uh, really wants people to know about it um but he apparently he's also quite eccentric so if you read the google maps reviews so he probably is uh, not the friendliest guy. Like, uh, for example, he regularly denies people their kaidama if he thinks like you've eaten not fast enough, and then your bowl is either not hot enough anymore, or you you don't have enough soup anymore. So he just goes like, "Nope, you're too late. You're it's too late to order kaidama now," <laughs> and things like that. So yeah, it seems like he's he he has his own rules and he, his um own way that you should eat um and probably you know he's more the the old-school mindset you know go in eat your bowl um you know head down dig in and then get out uh, which somehow i i was wondering it doesn't make sense with like the shop itself is seems to run not only as a ramen shop but also a little bit like an izakaya so they have like quite the extensive menu of um yeah fukuoka uh specialties so like stuff that you would find in a izakaya in fukuoka or in kyushu in general so i saw them like in front of me they were like uh, like filleting the fish so uh, for for like some of their other menu items but i think that's more like an evening thing uh where they have like people Mm. actually sit down and stay for a while and have like drinks and so on and the other thing is like when i was there it the shop was actually run by very young people i think they were all like beginning of 20s and like i think like three girls and one or two guys and they were all extremely friendly so it's like i could not see the criticism of the google maps reviews (laughs) at all i was like wow this is really nice here like i kind of want to have a drink with the people serving the food here it's it's super weird yeah i mean i i really like the place um the only criticism was maybe like the 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 chashu was cut a little bit too thin um but other than that i mean that's like you know and it for me personally it could be could have been a little bit more funky I like i like a little bit more pork funk um but that's you know just a little bit of personal criticism or like my my personal preference but otherwise yeah it was really good super easy access right next to takanawaba station which is accessible um via yamanota line just I think one or two stations north of um Shinjuku I think between Shinjuku and Ikebukuro yeah super easy to get to yeah if you if you want an easily accessible good Hakata Tonkotsu then Debuchan might be the place oh by the way Debuchan translates to like fat guy or fat boy or something like that so yeah if that speaks to you maybe that's the shop for <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, I know it did for it, me <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I always wonder, I guess if it's, you know, the evening service is different. Like, I always wonder how the economics work of a ramen shop that, like, also, like, not just has beer on the menu, but, like, encourages people to sit down and have, like, a few drinks. Like, it, it feels really counterintuitive to at least, like, the Japanese ramen shop, like, the economics behind a Japanese ramen shop. Like, if you're going to be at all busy, especially, like, these places that are pretty, pretty highly regarded. Like, you don't, I understand that you're going to make money on the alcohol, but I always would feel almost weird ordering it, even if it's clearly, even if they clearly want you to, because I feel this urge to just finish and leave. And so I, I, it always, I always wonder sort of how that works. If there's a place that, you know, often would get a line or often even not even a line, but just people waiting, but then they're also encouraging you. And it's a ramen shop, but they're also encouraging you to sit, have a couple of snacks, have some drinks. It just feels like I'm sort of being pulled in both directions as a customer. <laughs> and I, and I wonder how the economics of that work or how they actually encourage people to do that. I mean, there are a bunch of shops like that, but I've never actually sat down and just like had drinks. You know what I mean?
0: I think the only way it really works, at least from my point of view, is if it's a bar first, that also serves good ramen. So for example, there's this place called Bar Gorilla in, oh, uh, is that? Uh, yeah, Shimokita? Uh,
1: yeah, it's one station over. I know, I know yeah. exactly where it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's like it's a bar first and then you can get Jiro style ramen there. <laughs> it's, it's super weird and uh, it, it like stops the whole bar business for a while uh, while he makes it, but First and foremost it's a bar, and like you would never be expected to order a bowl there, but I think most people do, but then it's totally okay to like hang out for more drinks and just or just go for drinks there and there's another place in Utenji I went to, I think I also made a video about that has mazasoba, but it's a huge place, and it's first and foremost it's a it's a um it's a bar slash Izakaya that also has as like their main food item Mazasoba, right? But they also have like other small dishes that you would expect in izakaya. So again, here it's clear that the the main point is to sit down, stay one, two, three hours, how many hours you want. And and it's from the beginning clear that there's no pressure to get out. On the other hand, uh, back to the weird stuff uh, of the first shop I mentioned, Mariken, they had, I, I saw that on the wall, they have, as you see in Izakayas and bars here, they had like this line of bottles that has names, uh, They have names on them. You know those?
1: Yeah, 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 the, the bottle keep.
0: Right. So if you're a regular customer, you can buy the bottle, they, they put your name on it, and they keep it for you, and whenever you come in, you don't even have to pay, you just basically grab your bottle, or the staff grabs the bottle for you, and you just keep drinking from that one but again yeah, and, they'll, and they'll
1: give you like mixers and whatever yes. if it's you know or whatever
0: yes exactly so but again it, that was like a, a completely regular ramen shop where i personally would feel like go in eat get out right so it, it for me it doesn't make sense that they have like this bottle keep thing going on and this whole bar thing also because they don't really have like a lot of side dishes i mean they have like a few small ones but not like they're i uh, think like oh yeah Let's let's spend an evening there. It's super weird. Mm. Like the 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 whole concept of ramen first and then add some bar elements to it is it's just weird to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. Yeah, that, that I mean that shop sounds sounds like it's, it's it's a confused concept on a number of <laughs> levels. But um, not to not to keep picking on them.
0: I will publish a video about it though, so you can uh, check it out for yourself uh, in moving pictures soon. uh
1: Actually. Interesting, I, I don't uh, just one thing that I thought of uh, when you were talking about the um, the Debutan master who was you know refusing people dama, I remember back, I mean, this is long before I was into Ramen. This may have been one of the first bowls of ramen I've ever had. Uh, this was back when Ipudo first opened in New York. So this was probably like two thousand nine, maybe. And there was a crazy line, like, so much hype around it. It was impo- it was very, very hard to get in. Uh, I think they were probably doing reservations at that point. But anyway, like, I, I distinctly remember, like, just in, in this classic, like, ooh, Japan, mysterious, cool type of thing. They are like, yeah, so they have this thing called Kaidama where you can get extra noodles. But if you don't have enough soup left, then they won't give it to you. So, like, just don't, like, drink too much of your soup off the of bat if you think you want more noodles. I remember it being, like, almost this, like, selling point of you know sort of like weird cool odd japan food culture thing and like so whoa reverend whatever you know chef is right whatever but it just also seems like common sense like kai with no suit sounds unappealing and bad and dumb and whatever now it seems like common sense but i, I, I don't know just I, I remember that that was uh that was seen as being like a very like cool cool japan thing uh back in whatever 2009 new york
0: (laughs) i mean i I also remember from those first videos of uh ichidan where like those uh food tubers and vloggers were all like oh this is the real way to eat ramen this is how you do it you get your own separated space so you can fully um focus on the aroma and and whatnot making it seem like okay that's the standard way how it is in in japan and like that's how every ramen shop is and then you realize coming here like It's not how it is at all it's like literally the only shop that does it this way
1: yeah i mean i do obviously you're you're right (laughs) like obviously ichiran yeah them sort of boxing you into your cubicle is that is unique however and and i also do think that the they the press obviously as they do with anything japan related especially japan food really went overboard however and I imagine that this is probably similar in Germany. It's just that the culture around, around eating ramen is different and that people are going to, especially because the prices are higher, people go and they treat it like a restaurant and they get sides and they sit for a while. And as a result, often the, the, the bowl suffers because it sits. And I do think that Ichiran and the press around Ichiran, there's a kernel of truth in there in that that is forcing Americans to finally consume ramen, like a Japanese person, most Japanese people would, which is like quickly and quietly.
0: No, I, you, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think if I ever, uh, <laughs> I don't think it will ever happen. But if I over, ever opened a ramen shop, I would probably do something similar where you're like boxed in. So you, you can't really talk with anyone. And I would try to get, like, a spot in a building that is so massively concrete that there's absolutely no reception in there, no Wi-Fi, nothing (laughs) (laughs) that could distract you from your bowl. I mean, I'll I'll probably put, like, a Wi-Fi in front of the shop, so if people are waiting out in line, taking, like, connect or whatever, or, like, upload their pictures uh, on their Instagram. But, like, once you're there, like there's nothing distracting you from the ball. And I think that's actually a pretty cool concept. And yeah, for the reasons that you mentioned, just to get people to focus. I mean, I, I was, um, these days I was watching a couple of, uh, youtube videos as i sometimes do i just search for ramen uh, on youtube and see what what others are doing and it's just i don't know it 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 breaks my heart when i see people like you know they get their bowl of ramen they get like some side dishes and then you see them film like eating all the side dishes and the the bowl of ramen is just sitting there for like 10 15 minutes and i'm like guys come on (laughs) it just hurts but yeah yeah. uh, i don't know you you can go either way either you you force people into you know uh how it i'm not sure if how it should be is the right way to put it but uh, for lack of better words like to get people to focus and like get in get out or you just you know play to the market and go like well you know what sit here as long as you want we have uh we also have like sushi on the menu or something like that or whatever starters or side dishes you want sit as long as you want eat some you know some some gyoza some some fried chicken on the side why not you know uh, yeah i could... mean
1: actually honestly like now that we're having the conversation about these these sort of yuzukaya style ramen shops like maybe that's maybe that's the way to do it i mean i don't know if this would you i don't know if you'd even need this in japan but like if you're trying to do like an american style thing and you're trying to be basically a ramen shop but you're encouraging also people to eat other things and and have a few drinks sort of as as they want to do at a at a western ramen shop or you know maybe maybe what you do is you're like okay you have to get the ramen last like it has to be a shima like you you have this has to be the last thing you can't get the other things at the same time you can't get you know if you order the ramen one one more drink max and that'll just force (laughs) people to eat it last and sort of just have the ramen hopefully eat it quickly like maybe, maybe that's the solution i don't know
0: yeah i think nobody needs that here really I mean, there's a couple yeah. of. I think like a mazasoba would work because it doesn't get soggy. Uh, like it's, it's not a sen- time sensitive. But um, any other bowl, like I think a bowl of ramen is a kind of anti-social uh, affair. You know, you're you're putting your head down, you're slurping, um, you're you're focusing. It's hot. You should eat it quickly. So basically, for like I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. You're 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 not in society, like you're by right. yourself and you're focusing on the food. So it doesn't really make sense to have it like in a social setting, at least that's my opinion. And I think that's reflected in how ramen is eaten in Japan in more than 99% of the cases.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, obviously I guess we're sort of a special breed, right? We're sitting here on a podcast about ramen. So <laughs> there's, there's a level of extra interest, but like, you know, we'll go for ramen together. And it is obviously a social thing because we're doing it together. But, you know, you chat on your way to the shop, you chat as you're waiting in line. You chat as maybe as you're waiting for the bowl, possibly. But then the bowl comes, you sit there, you eat and then you talk about it after. And that's even when it's sort of a social the bowl itself is a social engagement, you're still not talking while you're eating. Right.
0: I think the maximum that you talk about is like, oh, have you tried this or have you like if there's like any condiments or something like that, like pointing something out or you know if it's really good you go like oh this is so good but right that's about it i think exactly. that's the, the maximum conversation uh you'll you'll ever have over a bowl of ramen at least with us
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so we're already pushing like an hour here so but let's leave japan behind for a second and let's look at what's uh ahead of you um so now you're in New York, have you had the chance to eat any ramen in New York so far?
1: Yeah, my pace has slowed down a little bit, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I've had a few bowls since I've been back, for sure.
0: Any good ones among them?
1: Yeah, so um, I've had, a, I've had a, a few good ones, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, the standards are different. I'm learning to just adjust my expectations. Uh, but one, one shot that I actually want to shout out as being really good was, is ramen Ishida which is in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And uh, their main bowl is a truffle shoyu, which I went with my brother. He got that. And I'm glad that I didn't just because I think I'm not a huge fan of the, the truffle trend, both in Japan and in America. But it was really well done. It was really well executed. Uh, I got So on their main menu, it's not there. And it was sort of only in this like little corner of their window. It was not really obvious that you could order it. They called it an '80s show you ramen in English, but then in the Japanese text said niboshi shoyu ramen, so it's a niboshi shoyu, sort of a classic, uh, classic Tokyo ramen with you know some niboshi in it, and uh, that was really really good. I really really enjoyed it, and like I thought that you know even in Tokyo that would have been sort of an above average bowl. And uh, I think one of the things that I, I enjoyed most about it, and probably this also helped the ramen itself is that it was done on a Japanese scale rather than an American scale that like all of these, most of these shops that I'm going to, right, they have 20, 30 plus seats. And so as a result, just the attitude in the kitchen towards the ramen just naturally has to be different to serve that many people. Right. Uh, whereas Ishida probably had 10, maybe. So it's a Japanese-sized shop. There's one person working front of house. There's one person cooking, who I believe at the time was the master. So, you know, he can give full attention to the soup and full attention to every bowl. And it, as a result, I think, you know, even if you're at one of these shops that's run by a, a really famous chef, uh, but just like if you're doing it at a big scale, naturally something has to give. And it's going to be different, whereas like here, it has the level of control that you can exert over a shop in Tokyo, uh, or you know elsewhere in Japan, and, and that's something that I'm used to, obviously. And I think it really was, it really showed uh, in the bowl. Not to mention, you know, just generally, I love niboshi, and the opportunity to have even a sort of milder niboshi bowl in America was awesome. But yeah, um do and like I was saying, the, you know, this is just adjusting my expectations with sort of the food press. That wasn't, I mean, it was showing up on, in some places, but it would, was really not showing up that often on these, like, best ramen in New York lists. Uh, and I think it's maybe just that expert, expectations are different. But, you know, I'll be back. They have a Shio. Unfortunately, a lot of the shio, almost all the Shios that I've found here are Yuzu Shio, which is not my favorite. I think maybe just, you know, Americans want that extra Zuz in the Shio. But uh, I mean, I imagine that at least it's executed well there, and uh, yeah, Ramanishida.
0: I've never heard of Ramanishida in New York, so yeah, quite curious now. Was it like a um, pre-niboshi forward ball? I think niboshi is still quite rare to get it at all uh, in America. Yeah, very rare.
1: I wouldn't call it niboshi forward. No, it was it was basically just sort of a, a classic chintan show you uh, with. I guess actually a surprising amount of fishiness, um, but not not intensely so.
0: Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Other than that, how is the ramen scene? Is it still quite tonkotsu focused?
1: Yeah, very tonkotsu (laughs) focused uh, and also very big menus, you know, like a lot of different options, possibly stretching, you know, possibly or probably a lot of these shops are stretching themselves very thin with the options. But that being said, uh, not as dire as I was expecting. Uh, still, some plenty of pleasant surprises all around, um, and I think that certain styles I'll miss more than others. Uh, but for the most part, you know, there 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 are gems in there. You just gotta just gotta work for it. I, I feel like I'm sort of back at square one with not only finding shops but also understanding sort of the, the contours of American ramen shops. Um, but yeah, I'm just holding out for a Nakamoto clone in New York, which frankly, I think would do really well. I think that if, if someone opened a Nakamoto style shop in New York, that people would love it. I, from what I understand, it's probably not that hard to make or recreate. Um, I'm not going to be the one who does it. But if anyone's listening, I'll, uh, you know, if you need a business partner or something. So
0: here's a free business ID for for all the listeners
1: yeah go please please i'll, I'll be your, your first customer
0: i think there is a market for uh these kind of specialty shops i mean you see yumeo katare quite uh, doing quite well in in boston uh with their jiro inspired bowl um and i think yeah there's a, a certain need for spicy tonkotsu anyway so why not go all the way and do the nakamoto thing I i think also it um would offer you know those uh challenge seekers another venue to go for like the the, the level 10 bowls that really uh yeah throw them for uh for a loop <laughs> yeah um, exactly so yeah i think that could be a good uh, idea again uh, listen to the ramen hunter episode where we go into detail <laughs> what it's all about <laughs> and maybe that's the next thing we can see and Maybe in the future, uh, after you had a couple more bowls in New York and surrounding area, I'll maybe do a Beyond Japan or Ramen Beyond Japan episode and we'll cover maybe with some other people what ramen in New York is all about.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: So, beyond that, do you have like any future plans uh, to maybe come back to Japan or do you have like a ramen uh, project on the horizon?
1: Uh, I mean, neither, really. I I hope, you know, certainly no plans to move back to Japan, at least anytime soon. Uh, Hopefully plans, I I mean, no plans, but hopefully I'll be back to visit sooner rather than later. Um, You know, if I could swing swing something before the end of the year, that would be great. But in terms of new projects, no. My main new project in my life is starting law school, so that's going to take up a lot of time. (laughs) Uh, And even while I was in Japan, you know, I was doing tours for a while, but for the most part, the main output was just the Instagram, which... As you can tell by my follower account, I never, um, took particularly seriously anyway, uh, but yeah, just follow along there. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if you're stateside, this will be more applicable to you than it has been the last five years. So, um, yeah, just, just Instagram and just giving giving my thoughts about the bowls that I eat and the, the ramen scene.
0: On Instagram, they can find you at, at noodle, the noodle slurp. Was it
1: at the noodle slurp, all one word.
0: All right, then, yeah, I would implore anyone uh, listening to uh, give you a follow and check the huge archive of bowls. I think you're much better at uh, logging what you are eating, Um, at least visually. Since two or three years, I'm also keeping a list what I'm eating, but I'm not as consistent uh, putting things up. Um, So but I think your your archive since you started is, is pretty much complete, right? probably all of the bowls yeah pretty here.
1: pretty much like i may have missed one or two but wow. uh almost 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 entirely there yeah
0: so if you want to check out the who is who of ramen bowls in japan then yeah check out michael's um instagram and yeah thank you very much for joining me today this uh episode got quite long <laughs> I think there was a lot to <laughs> talk about I'm sure I'll have you back on and we'll talk about uh, a little bit more about bowls uh, of the past maybe we'll talk a little bit about osaka I think there's uh that's a topic that hasn't been talked about uh, as much yet and I think there's uh, a lot of interesting bowls to talk about there as well and uh yeah that's all from me for today and from the ramen in japan uh, podcast thanks for listening and until next time